Alrighty, everybody. Good morning. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And, uh, Wiz and I are making our way through the NFL. We've gotten the preseason underway with the Jets and Browns last Thursday. It was nice to see some real football, though uh, it, it is just preseason, and obviously a lot of starters were not present. Uh, but Wiz and I completed the AFC. We've been getting some nice reviews. People are definitely starting to pay attention uh, in, in a more distinct manner uh, as the season is fast upon us. And uh, we are embarking on the NFC today with the NFC East. Wiz, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, looking forward to uh, talking about the NFC uh, in general, doing the East today. And uh, speaking of the NFC, uh, some pretty big news out there. Uh, for, for leagues that have not drafted yet, Kamara got a three-game suspension, which I thought was pretty light. I thought that could have been half the season or six games, most likely, uh, as a result. But uh, three games, it's kind of a little bit easier to try and uh, put Kamara in your um, fantasy football rankings at the running back spot. Uh, with three games, it gets a little bit more murky when you get to like six games or half the season, how to rank the player. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we do the NFC South. But uh, we're talking about the NFC North today. I mean, the NFC East today. Yep. Uh, and just a couple other developments. I feel kind of bad, Wiz, because I was touting Tim Patrick as a, a potential sleeper pick out there. And him going down for the season with that non-contact Achilles injury really sucks for the Broncos. Um, I thought he was going to be an integral part of that offense this year, but he's out for the season. You know, others are going to have to step up. Maybe Marvin Mims becomes a little bit more of a factor this year because, uh, as we know, KJ Hamler's dealing with some health issues as well in Denver. Maybe that makes Dulcich an even more important pick uh, in terms of tight ends in fantasy leagues. Uh, so just worth mentioning there. And the other thing, Wiz, you know, I, I, you know, we spoke a little bit about the Jonathan Taylor stuff, but I, I, that thing is looking uglier and uglier every single day. Was yeah, I mean, I think um, to, to me, I, I think there'll be a resolution with that one before there'll be a resolution with the Jacobs situation. I think that one um, has got a real stalemate going, and um, and and kind of the same with Taylor, but he could he could do things. I mean, I, I just. I just feel if you said to me, you know, which guy is going to sit the season, it's you know, make a bet on that. It would be it would be Josh Jacobs. But um, we'll uh, we'll see how that plays out over the course of the next couple of weeks. All right, Wiz. So uh, with the NFC, we're going to start with the Dallas Cowboys, and there's definite changes afoot. There were uh, mass exodus of the coaching staff from Mike McCarthy. Uh, Kellen Moore, the offensive coordinator, is gone. McCarthy's going to take over. McCarthy's made comments along the line of, uh, you know, I don't care about having the best offensive team. I care about having the best best team. Uh, I don't know if maybe the results that the Cowboys saw when Cooper Rush took over when Dak Prescott was at last year, where they went 4-1, and one, a little bit more of a conservative style of offense. Uh, and as a result... Uh, things could look a little bit different. As far as I'm concerned, was Dak Prescott continues to move further and further down in my list in terms of quarterbacks, which is kind of funny because he was kind of like a easy top five guy, I think, for a few years. Uh, I think the 21 games uh, that he was not hurt uh, prior to his coming back from injury this year, uh, he averaged over 300 yards. He had 46 touchdowns in those 21 games. And then he comes back, and over 300 yards a game. And he comes back, with, and he, in those 12 games that he played to end the season, averaged just 235 yards passing, 
tons of dumb mistakes as far as interceptions and a lot less touchdowns. So count me as one whiz who's very concerned going through the season despite the talent around him about Dak Prescott and the confidence in that player that I would have from a fantasy perspective this year. Yeah, I have him really as a borderline quarterback one where I don't necessarily feel great about him being inside the top 10, but if you're in a 12-team league, <laughs> um, he's somewhere in that mix. So just using 12 as a parameter here, do you have him inside or outside the fence? Outside. Yeah, and I, you know, I think, you know, I think a lot of leagues where you're drafting, you know, where you're in a 12-team league, um, and we'll get to the Giants uh, soon, I think a lot of GMs are going to have real options between Dak and Daniel Jones and just giving people a quick tease as a longtime Giants fan. Uh, you prefer Daniel Jones? Yeah, I prefer Daniel Jones, yes. That's correct. Yes, I think we both kind of like have Dak right around 12-ish and maybe even on the outside looking in, but somebody who's certainly in the range of running back one, no question. I know you're really high on Tony Pollard. Uh, I think you even mentioned that he could be closer to the top half of running back one. He's a terrific player. He could do it all. Um, Tony Pollard, I mean, if he stays healthy, he's certainly going to be inside the top ten at the running back spot. Uh, I'm interested to see how high you think um, he could be drafted. But uh, certainly running back one for Pollard, I like his running back room for the Cowboys. I mean, Malik Davis, when he's had the opportunity, um, he's performed. He's a terrific handcuff. And I saw some highlights of Deuce Vaughn, and it was hard not to laugh looking at the size of him. <laughs> it was almost like, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but it was almost like, you know, a day where, like, you allowed your kids to play <clears throat> with the team. He looked so small, but so did Darren Sproles. But uh, what's your take on the running back room and uh, – how high expectations do you have for Tony Pollard? Yeah, so you and I talked last year. Actually, I think the last two years we felt that Tony Pollard was the best offensive weapon that the Cowboys had. And I would even include that with CeeDee Lamb as well. I just We just felt that, that this was the dynamic player. Uh, in the last three years, Wiz, he's got five touchdowns over 50 yards, which is pretty, incre- which is pretty incredible. Uh, as far as touches go last year, not too many, right? He carried the ball 193 times. Caught 35 or 40 balls, so it's not a lot of wear and tear, but he averaged over five yards a carry. Uh, more dynamic in the offense. I, look, he doesn't have the size and the girth that, that Ezekiel Elliott had. Uh, so around the goal line, you know, I, I don't know if they ha- – does Elliott come back at some point? Is it possible? I, I guess it's possible. Uh, but but I, I have Pollard at the top half of, of running back ones for sure. I think he is a dynamic player. And I think McCarthy is going to kind of run the offense around him and the running backs that they do have. So to your point about Deuce Vaughn, Darren Sproles is a very apt uh, comparison for sure. And I think Malik Davis last year, without a doubt, when when given slight opportunities, was was able to show that he's got some moxie. So I like the running back room. I think there's a team that's going to want to run the football a little bit more and and be a little bit more reliant on on a strong defense. Yeah, so do you think... Do you think the um, the subpar play of Dak could affect how you view CeeDee Lamb this year, or is he entrenched in your mind <clears throat> inside the top ten of the position, or are you a little dubious 
about where you rank CD Lamb based on maybe uh, how you feel about Dak. Yeah, not an not an indictment on on Lamb at all, uh, but I am definitely more squeamish on 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 uh, Prescott, which makes me slightly more wary of how CD Lamb performs. CD Lamb had a great year; he made that step up last year. Nine touchdowns, thirteen hundred catches, uh, thirteen hundred yards, over a hundred catches. He had a brilliant year. Um, but if the offense becomes more conservative, that that's a negative. I, I don't want to reach too far. I'm still, I believe that CD Lamb is still wide receiver number one and becomes even more important in this offense, especially as you remove Dalton Schultz from it. And we'll get to the tight ends in a second. We know they've added they've added Brandon Cooks. Uh, they lost Noah Brown. Uh, they still have Michael Gallup. Um, so overall for me, uh, I still feel that CD lamb is, is warrants a, a wide receiver one, uh, moniker. Yeah. And, you know, as Brandon cooks has gotten a little bit older, uh, and CD lamb is an ascending young player. You have the feeling that Brandon cooks is going to be the complimentary guy, but I, I feel that I like him enough that he is certainly a wide receiver that should be drafted in all formats. The question is, is he a wide receiver two? Is he a wide receiver three? Is he is he going to finish inside the top 25 at wide receiver? That's a close call in my view. Um, so I, for me, I have Brandon Cooks right around between 25 and 30, so probably uh, closer to wide receiver three. And, uh, you know, just considering that – there's going to be Pollard catching the ball, and then Lamb and Cooks ahead of him. On uh, I, I feel as far ahead of him on the target share. I'm talking about Michael Gallup. I have Cooks right around wide receiver three, and then Michael Gallup. Really, a little bit of a flex appeal. Nothing more than that. How do you view Cooks and Gallup? Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, Gallup's struggled with injuries, right? Uh, last couple of years, uh, that's definitely hurt. After after he had that thousand yard season in 2020, he's not been able to kind of show that kind of performance. Uh, Two seasons where he was unable to break 500 yards and below 40 catches in both seasons. So uh, Michael Gallup's a guy that I'm not going to look at unless something would have happened in terms of injury. Uh, as far as Cooks goes, I, I agree. Wide receiver three makes sense. There's a lot of catches to make up in this offense, Wiz. Uh, but again, if it's a more conservative offense that's more reliant on the running backs, then it's a whole different story. But, you know, Dalton Schultz is gone. Noah Brown's gone, and Ezekiel Elliott's gone, and those three guys caught 130 passes combined. Uh, so someone else has to fill that bill. Obviously, Cooks w- will do that. Gallup caught 40, like just o- just under 40 balls last year. Uh, but I think uh, we're going to have to see how that plays out. And perhaps, you know, you, talking about Vaughn, you know, we probably see a lot more catches from a player like that uh, for this come- upcoming season. Yeah, and, and the Cowboys um... – uh, didn't commit to Dalton Schultz, and I guess now they're going to go look at Ferguson, Jake Ferguson, and, and Luke Schumacher is is a player that I really like. Uh, I, you know, he just wasn't utilized enough in the passing game in Michigan. Uh, Harbaugh was playing a different type of physical offense where he was used much more as a blocker, but I like Ferguson <clears throat> and Schumacher, but because of each other and because of the other players that are way above them in terms of target share, uh, I'm not going to draft either of those players. But if something was to happen long-term to either one of those guys for the season, <clears throat> I'd be certainly looking at the other guy. But as it sits now, um, are you going to leave any drafts with a Cowboys tight end on your roster? 
So Calme is intrigued on Ferguson uh, just because the Cowboys, and again, I know Kellen Moore is not going to be uh, calling plays. It's going to be McCarthy. But I, I, there was a couple, I guess that Thanksgiving game where Ferguson was hurdling. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember who he hurdled, but he, he, he made a very athletic play. Uh, he, caught, he caught 26 balls last year. Uh, he was thrown to 28 times. So he only, there was only two balls that were thrown to him that, that were not caught. So there was a little bit of a chemistry there. And, you know, perhaps the Cowboys see a, a little bit of that building. I know you like Schumacher. I understand that. Um, you also have uh, Pendershot, uh, who had some troubles in college with some uh, legal issues, if you will. He probably would have been a higher draft pick if he'd done. He's also quite athletic. So Cowboys are going to make do here. I don't think either of the guys that we're talking about is going to be a, a number one tight end. But I would count myself as somewhat intrigued, particularly on Ferguson, because I like the athleticism that I saw at times last year in a limited role. Yeah, and, and that's true. I mean, and you could see some 12 personnel from Dallas this year, but uh, um, if one of those two players were to miss time, I, I think then you're talking about a different situation where um, they, they, they could become relevant in uh, fantasy football this season. But otherwise than that, I just think uh, it'll be difficult for either of them to reach top 12 at the position. And uh, why don't you talk a little about uh, Vizcayano, the Cowboys defense. Uh, uh, Cowboys defense, just such an interesting type of defense where they could just look so good at times when they get a lead and roll up those sacks and strip stumbles and, and, and interceptions with digs. Um, of viewing the, are you viewing the Cowboys as clear uh, top 10 defense? Yeah, I, I think the Cowboys are a clear top 10 defense. They have big playability. Guys like Diggs and Mika Parsons, very, very solid. Um, yes, fumbles, sacks, uh, touchdowns, all that sort of stuff. If you look at them statistically, like to your point in terms of scoring, points allowed and yardage and all that stuff, it's not unbelievably sexy. They had a couple of stink bombs of games where they got, like you said, they just got bombed. Uh, so obviously that kind of hurt some of the statistics, but in some games they were just completely dominating. Uh, I think I think you have to have some confidence in drafting them just because of the player personnel that they do have uh, as a number one defense. So I'm comfortable with that. I think there's no way in God's name was that Vizcaino was the kicker for the Cal. He stinks. Vizcaino is terrible. First of all, the only thing he's known for is he's like 6'4", 6'5". But he's a terrible kicker. Brett Maher was a good kicker. I don't know... What they're doing with this situation, I think there are plenty of like veteran guys sticking around. Like if I'm the Cowboys, I don't know why Nick Folk is not being called. There's plenty of veteran guys, uh, especially kicking indoors, uh, that I would have well over Vizcaino. Vizcaino has shown no ability to kick the ball with consistency. Uh, count me as one as I'm not drafting that guy for sure. Um, I just don't, I think I just don't think he's very good, and I think the Cowboys are going to make a change of kicker before we get to the season. Yeah, the Cowboys have had some tough luck uh, at the kicker uh, at the kicker position. Uh, so uh, very good. We'll uh, we'll see how it uh, plays out, and uh, we'll see we'll see what it looks for the Dallas Cowboys this year. All right, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Make sure you're subscribing. Up next, the New York Football Giants. I'll talk to you on the other side, Wiz. You got it.